and welcome to GEA Embedded here on Balls E, where every Monday we discuss the GEA uh, stories of the day, the week, the month, and everything else alongside. Uh, I'm Mick McCarthy, and always, as, as always, I'm joined by Morris Brosnan. Morris, how are you? Great, Mick. Yeah, how about you? I'm good. I'm good, Morris. There's one one slight problem, though, is that there's a, it looks like we've had a couple of nails uh, in the coffin for your uh, beloved proposal B. Uh, for GA Congress this week, the restructuring of the football championship. We spoke about it on last week's show. You gave it almost, I was going to call it a political style uh, uh, um, speech, you know, but it, I, I'd say it was probably more religious, really, in, in its uh, evangelical <laughs> tones, uh, in the way you, 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 you propped up and uh, sold me on pro, uh, Proposal B. But it looks from what we've heard in the last couple of days from the GEA Finance Committee, of course, you know, the, the all-powerful coming out against it and various other stu- um, little uh, drops here and there yeah. that it doesn't look like it's going to, it's going to get passed at this point. Yeah, I'm very, I'm, I have to, I'm really pessimistic about it. Uh, it's chances never even versus last week, to be honest. Yeah. We'll get into it later. We're going to talk to Carol, uh, Irish news sports journalist is uh, I would say Mickey has the most coherent argument against it that I have heard. You talked about some of the arguments against it. Um, yeah. But, you know, look, the, the bit, before we get any of that, the f- fundamental fact is that there's no support for this from the, like, the, this perception of the as being neutral, you know, uh, or on their hands. Like, silence speaks way louder than words ever. Tom Ryan is a yeah. former financial controller like for the structure is man this is is bread and butter if they supported this proposal we'd know all about it and the fact is yeah. it's a word so you know that's that's like louder than words ever could there are some there, we've pointed out some flaws with it we do think it's it's really frustrating that we've come to this stage and i i really i have to say i really players like i really do feel for players that they haven't gotten it looks like they're not going to be listened to at all you know like that and, and i can fully appreciate why you would be so frustrated like not to go too inside baseball here we have um a player on the podcast today. so this is somebody who in 2017 would have been canvassed about uh, uh initially as the club players association players association to challenge park duffy's the super eights that they didn't go mm-hmm. far enough to fundamental problem now this was as uh, this was of the split candler issue but that, look that's a separate conversation 2018 review committee is commissioned 2019 they're canvassed player opinions um, so players and gifts us you come around to uh, 20 GPA takeover so and this year then we finally get the proposals GPA canvas every single players engage in that process indicate which one they prefer so there's this overwhelming support for proposal percent and uh, the next step then is to go and list own county team delegates so their representative their GPA representative of every team players go speak to their representatives then they go and speak to their county and in the case as it's coming out like across the board and numerous counties are just not listening to them. They're saying they're going to be vote as mandated by their clubs. We all know what that means, that they're, um, mm. you know, going to vote the way, whatever they want to it. We don't even know how they will vote because there's no transparency at Congress. And I, I just, from a player's perspective, I would be so frustrated that after what is effectively a four-year process, we've got, it looks like we're not going to get the change that they want. Yeah, there's a difference between listening and pretending to listen. Uh, in, yeah, great point, yeah. Yeah. This isn't straightforward. I think it's worth listening to Carr. He's against it, but he's probably against it for the right reasons. I think there's a further discussion then that we can have, and we will talk about it a little bit later in the show as to, you know, more or less what you're saying there is that, like, 
this is probably being put down not for those right reasons of uh of, of uh fairness and equality and for whatever else the case may be like you know uh progressiveness i suppose and the we want an even more progressive solution and so on and so forth it's been done because the gea operates in mysterious ways and that the people at the forefront aren't always the people who are in charge and certain people like it that way and so on and so forth so we'll get into all of that a little bit later on but a fascinating discussion between uh morris uh, Alessa, and carol kane of the irish news um is worth listening to that's coming up a little bit later in the show and then we'll talk more about it it is still on the table we'll see what happens it does look like it's, it's doomed to failure but i still think it is a, a conversation worth having and worth kind of going into the ins and outs of so you can really make up your own mind as to whether the ga are going to make a mistake here or whether this is the right thing to do so fascinating discussion coming up there but morris before we get to all that there is also like a really interesting club weekend to to kind of get our teeth into um in various ways now actually before we kind of get into the more high profile stuff and i was watching uh john mcgrath getting four or five and a half of hurling on or what a brilliant thing that they're those games are just like temporary quarterfinals on rte like on, on a saturday evening but before i get to that while i was had that on in the background i was sitting there on saturday afternoon watching a a, a stream of Aston Villa throwing away a two-goal lead to Wolves at home with 10 <laughs> minutes to go and losing 3-2. And I'm tearing my hair out. But at the same time, I'm a little bit more relaxed than I should be because on my phone, I have Scarif Bay, Scarif Community, Scarif Bay Community Radio uh, doing live commentary of the Clare Intermediate semi-final between Smith O'Brien's and Tulla. Uh, Smith O'Brien's Killaloo Club, uh, obviously my club, and... You know, I'm far away. I could, there's no way I can be getting down for these games at the moment. I've a baby due in a couple of days and various other th- things going on. But in the past, I'm waiting on a phone call in, you know, a day or two, you know, before mobiles or whatever to find out the result of them. Then more recently, you might get an update on Facebook at some point an hour after the match. And now I'm just listening to this. You know, it's it's big time for the people involved, but in, on a national scale, this is a small time event. You know what I mean? There's Claire Senior hurling quarterfinals that are on Claire FM at the time, and just having this ability to listen to what was actually, frankly, brilliant commentary and a really thrilling game that actually sounded like a horrible dogfight in the rain if you were watching it, but listening on the radio it was spectacular. And I was just thinking, and I was talking to you about it earlier, the glory of being able to really get into the club championship and have that local feel to it, which is what it's all about, even when we are in my case, 100-odd miles away, and your case, 5,000 miles away, in however far away Melbourne is from uh, from Galway or Kerry or whatever, but being able to follow your own club with such detail, you know, not this vagary of, I heard so-and-so was hurling well from, like, a fourth-hand report that you got on the telephone. It's, uh, I'm so glad you brought this up because probably in... Often circumstances like this, we're very negative about the promotion. But how quickly this has advanced is just—it's phenomenal, Mick. I, you know, you could go back to pre-COVID. So we're talking about two years ago here, and I could track my own club at home on from Twitter updates. Just you know, the odds—you get the odd tweet with a score, and that the only way you—and this what isn't a decade ago. We're talking about two years ago here. Fast forward six months, watching live streams, but with expert commentary from Pierce State, you know, Barron are getting to a county semi-final in, in 2020. It was literally within six months that this all this infrastructure was built up. And it's gotten to a sense now where I was sitting Sunday morning watching uh, the interview semi-final. Nagal played Desmond's and uh, 
I had that on one screen. I had Monster content on the other screen, and the production quality difference between the two wasn't that difference. Like they were both <laughs> commentary was a bit more colorful uh, for the experience media game, but that's um, uh, you know that I one stage he was guess he was saying uh, Jack Barry passes to Andrew Barry. I think it's his brother. One second, I'll check now, <laughs> and you can hear him shout over. <laughs> somebody across the way everybody's answering sure enough they are and he'll confirm it on commentary but like it, it is it is a remarkable development and it is it's such it makes it so much more enjoyable like i have i have to say i was you know captivated by a game I, I, not my own club that's connected to my family but being able to watch that being able to hear family members in the store from, from melbourne was just it was such an enjoyable way to spend a, a sunday morning and i'm so i'm so glad that it, it's the club game that is you know if we go back to what we were talking about earlier, the club game is nearly shown the way that the, the future of from GA promotion, I suppose, can go. Yeah, absolutely. I am I'll be on paternity leave from next week, but I do expect uh, a full uh, you know hour-long preview of the Clare Intermediate final uh coming up on the show uh, when I hand it over to you uh in a, <laughs> for a couple of weeks, or at least a review if they win, if they if, if Smith <laughs> best of luck them if they go senior again for the first time in uh, I think eight years. Um, that's what we all want uh, to see uh, this podcast. Well, me anyway, this side of it, on the left-hand side of the screen. Um, but there was lots of other stuff going on as well. Like, I mean, watching the Leitrim County final, wasn't that just a class thing, by the way, to have live coverage of as well? There was just this feeling of, um, you know, it, it felt big time in a way that, you know, I think there was something to do with Andy Moran being there. There was something to do with yeah. the fact that, um, we had a, a you know a, a team that hadn't won in thirty odd years. There was a kind of a, a, a Liverpool winning the Premier League feeling to it. There was the fact that they were playing the defending champions. The fact that it was a close game and the fact that it was all live on TV. And that's like for me, you know, I'm not getting into weaker counties type conversations, but that's where there is though. You know, that's where if you're talking about evenly matched teams from within these counties, the, that's where the passion and love of football. Um. And the obsession and all that trumps the fact that you don't have enough people in your county to compete. And that's where it's but, still fantastic. But Mick, doesn't this speak to the, the lunacy of certain counties not having vacancies filled? We're talking, in, we're talking, it's nearly November. It's mid-October right now. The championship like, think about, over, yeah. Think, think about the, the buzz of, firstly, you know, in terms of unearthed a player or two from watching that game. But the, the down from, you know, a Live broadcast from a count the morning crowd to all this. It, it, this kind of positive that he can capture, you know, by engaging with the clubs, he can capture over into championship next year. I just mentioned that Connor was in the stand for that game for Castle and Desmonds. Now, this is an intermediate game. A lot of people say, What value will he get out of that? And you see, you know, Jack Barry has Andrew Barry, this, you know, a big, like, you know, I mean this in a positive sense, a big lump of a footballer, like, you know, this six foot two midfielder something you're looking up for you look at Joe O'Connor another one from Austin Facts so by engaging with the clubs these are just players that can be included into a panel giving you that edge I saw James Horn I've to a Mayo player recently apparently he's going to run a combine in Mayo same thing again you know based off what we've seen yeah. in clubs I'm sure a lot of people have seen the goal Paul Walsh at the weekend in the Mayo Club Championship just an outrageous goal small little things then and then you look like across the board Galway like an absolute thriller a shock at the weekend in the hurling championship, uh, mm-hmm. I thought more champions out, and no county manager appointed. Like I just, it is baffling that you would leave yourself at such a massive disadvantage by a 
from a pure logistics perspective, but B, in terms of what you can actually do by capturing, by being at these games. You know, Becker Connor has the press conference side of it, that, that all stuff to bed. He has uh, yeah. the appointment that obviously put to bed, the press bed, and now he can get into the, the meeting bones of our a couple of different development panels together and there's other managers where we're looking it could be potentially a week or potentially two weeks before they even have a management team in place it is just i know we've brought we talked about this before but it's just it's so baffling to me and you got like colin bonner like i mean basically he was obviously at the double header at the weekend but he's basically seen every Tipperary championship match you know he's been there long enough yeah. for that but he's still a new manager going in but they did it early enough he's basically seen the entire championship he he was comfortable enough to even do a tv interview on saturday night you know and from from Semple Stadium, so yeah, such a massive advantage. That just want to actually reiterate because I'm wary that I might jump jumped over it there. That Ballinamore were the the team who won their first uh, Leitrim title since 1990. They beat Mohill, uh, one sixteen to seventeen points. So that was a that was a massive one. Another another big one, but not as uh, not as surprising, I suppose. The the <laughs> I need PJ on here to describe the difference. But Austin Sachs, uh, with Donahue <laughs> still playing, uh, they beat uh, Ken Mayer. 116 to 111 to win their third in a row in the Kerry Senior Club Football Championship, yeah. Morris, yesterday. Now, so tell me why that's different to what the other competition that they might win. <laughs> so, I, 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 well, I, I personally actually like this system. I think the fact that Kerry are a successful. No, I love it, by the way. It's just that I can never fully get my head around that there's two kinds <laughs> yeah, of championships. Yeah. <laughs> So, so I think the fact that Kerry can successfully execute this year on year is um, an, a decent indicator that club championships can be run if they're administered properly. But and that's a totally separate point. But and so, if you ignore Stacks will represent Kerry in the Munster Club Championship if um, well, yeah, that's a good it's point. That um, win the county championship, isn't it? So yeah. if like so, so, yeah. so there there will be a county championship which is there, includes the representative teams. Now East Kerry are. Frightening at the minute in uh, the championship. They have, uh, you know, they obviously have the two uh, Cliffords, which has taken headlines last year for phenomenal performances. But like their brief is getting broader. broader. They have uh, Fieries now, which is uh, Jack Sharp. After this year, they're going to have one of you've got uh, James Dunhu and Clarence Legion, or you've got Crooks. Like the, it's kind of frightening to think about how good. So you know, there is. Hope that it could be a, a, a battle over the next few years. So if East Kerry do go on and win the county championship, Sachs would represent uh, Kerry in the Munster Cup Championship. The reason that I like it is going back to what I say, like you might watch the intermediate championship the weekend and look at Andrew Barry and think, is this guy good enough for intercounty football? Like, can he make the step up? Well, we'll know three weeks because he'll get exposed to senior intercounty players and we'll know based off that. But yeah. You know, they're, they're, we're going to wear. Like, can you imagine if East Kerry combine? Like, let's say that you know you pick the two Cliffords, uh, Jack Sherwood, um, you throw in Ratmore. So you've got Paul Murphy, Shane Ryan, who's been for full forward for Ratmore. He's goalkeeper. He kicked three points weeks ago. So they they're all on. So if you like, if you're coming up against that, if you're exposed to a team of that quality, straight away the quality of players, and it gives everybody a very good chance of a. Uh, you know, having the best possible, I suppose, showcase to showcase your talent so that you could get in the, the shop window to be an intercounty football. I know it's a great system for football and for competition as well. And look, Stacks, as we said, they won the club championship. That's about that's that's a competition that's just between actual clubs, and yeah, exactly. That's yeah. their third in a row there. If 
a region like East Kerry win the county championship, then they'll go on and and and, and play in the Munster Championship for Kerry. If by chance a club wins it, like Sachs, for example, then well, they'll obviously <laughs> that's a terrible example. But say Croaks in the past would have won the county championship a number of times. Exactly, yeah. They'd obviously go on and represent because uh, because that it's the bigger competition. But Tell me this, actually, just as somebody with Kerry lineage, and again, I'm 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 a terrible man for going off the running order, right? But you know Kerry football pretty well. Um, I can understand if Croaks get relegated, that uh, four or five of the players or whoever many will join up with East Kerry, and that they'll get as into it as anything else because you become part of a team, you can do it all that pretty quickly, and it becomes about the season, and it becomes about the teammates that you have, and you go and you represent your teammates and your manager. From a fan perspective, though, do Croaks care about East Kerry? You know what I mean? It's like, it, I can't imagine if you're playing against them year on year, your senior, or whatever the case may be, there's, there's you know, South Kerry lose a, lose a team for a few yeah, years, yeah. they get they come relegated, suddenly they're playing with South Kerry again. From a fan's point of view, I can't imagine they give two shits about the regions, do they? Unless maybe you're from a small club who's never going to be senior. Who that's what you have to root for every year is is if you're from Fossa you've direct, you, you've got East Kerry as your team. Yeah, that, that, I, I think that's the, that, like uh, it's a really good point you make. Yeah, like in terms of from a buying stage, I do think that's the, the chance that you know you are representing a club on a bigger stage. It's kind of like how you know sir, not everybody buy in, but a lot of club people will buy into a county team, and a lot of you know it's like I can go back and you know take this a step further. Uh, I'm from. West Galway, which would be traditionally on hurling uh, stronghold, and a couple of years ago they amalgamated a couple of underage clubs. So you know you had what would be very strong football county, Carrow, Lettermore, uh, Barnafurbo, which is a already amalgamated club, made it underage, become Cush Foraga, and there was a real buy-in about that. Suddenly it was like okay, a West Galway team can put it up to you know yeah. be competitive. Now they weren't, they wouldn't have been always been competitive, but it was like you know we. It's, I guess it's nearly like the small club chip in the shoulder team that it's when you that you roll that up in it and suddenly it's like a multiplier effect and everybody is bought into that. Yeah. I understand how you can be very regional in that way. If you're a kind of a let's 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 oh geez, isn't it great that you know just there's two of the lads from so and so, but it's also the lads up the road and we know them, they're in the same yeah, boat yeah. as us. You know, and, and and we're going and taking on the big boys. I understand that, but what I'm saying is that if you're if you've got lots of Clarny who are just like right, our team is bad at the moment, but like we're going off to play with the Cliffords now. I'd say they're excited about it, but I imagine Croaks fans uh, are just kind of going right, great. Like, isn't it great that uh, isn't it great that Kieran O'Leary has someone to play with for this year? But Jesus Christ, why are we so bad? I doubt they suddenly think of East Kerry as we. Oh, I, I, yeah, I like, and make no mistake, you know, like the Castle and Desmond's priority is Castle and Desmond's, like Nigal's priority yeah. is going to be uh, Nigal, and like Crooks will be, will be the exact same. That uh, will always be the case. And I recently, this was a problem because these games wouldn't, um, it wouldn't got the exposure that you necessarily, but now you look at the, because maybe it's the benefit of the system, but like, you know, I was watching it, the, the games I mentioned at the weekend. And you're know, like Jim O'Connor is like absolutely lording. He looks like you know a superstar, and you're mm. kind of saying, you know, if you're an intermediate player and you're being exposed to a guy like that, you probably should find out very quickly your your level. You know, if Aidan O'Mahony is playing intermediate football for Atmore right now, if you're playing against that, you'll very quickly realize your level. Well, like, I'm sure we'll talk about it in a second, but you know, you know like JJ Delaney was playing an intermediate game in his club in Clarny again, and he scored one two. You know, class will, class will still show at those levels. The cream will 
kind of always rise. I guess it's just it's like a safety net, but yeah, like from perspective, you think won't get the same sense of buying, but I guess you just get like a modified version of it. Yeah, three individual performances I want to talk about. Then you just mentioned one of them, JJ Delaney scored one two uh, for Phoenix. JJ Delaney, <laughs> who you associate as a as a big scorer, one of the things you love about club as well, like isn't it that sort of thing? Tommy Walsh scored a goal last week. JJ Delaney scored one goal this week. Is uh, they're into the Kilkenny uh, semi-finals intermediate um, again? Just these lads, like they're you know you just oozing class, you know, probably barely able to walk anymore, you know, after a career of injuries and everything else. But uh, they're still able to do it. There's still nothing better every week than than legends doing it. Uh, and then, you know, a, a kind of a, a, a current legend, I suppose, but one you would expect to do it for. And this was live on television, unbelievably, like Kilroy and McDonough's were just hit by a brick wall. They were brilliant in the second half, nearly got into the game. They didn't hit so many wides, they would have. But John McGrath scored 4-6 for Lockmore Castellani. 4-6. He only got one point in the second half, Morris. <laughs> I think he only scored maybe two frees, maybe one, maybe two frees. And a penalty, two penalties as well in the first half. But he had 4-5 at halftime. And I think 2-3 from play overall. And you're just like, what the hell are you supposed to do that at that at club level, you know? And then you had Noel, by the way, popping up in the second half at wing forward, just tapping them over whenever he wanted as well. But more Castellani, definitely a really interesting team, actually, as well, because they obviously had the two the run to the two county finals um a couple of years ago during lockdown, seemed to take it out of them. People are saying it affected Noel and John's performances for tip. Um, you know, two two heartbreakers actually in the football and the hurling, but seem like is like, right, actually, do you know what? Having a kind of a year off in that regard and not being able to maybe fire on all cylinders um, at county level, they look like they're nearly favourites already for the an unbelievably competitive Tipperary Championship, actually. And sometimes the best rehabilitation in a situation like that when things might say to go away is to go back to your club and yeah. just get around those people again and, and, you know, you end up tearing up. I often think of, you know, Peter Cook went away to, Galway, a midfielder, went away to Nietzsche, came back. You know, Galway football wouldn't have gone the way he had, uh, would have hoped. Yeah, I don't mm. think, uh, particularly not the, his points in the Mayo game. He goes back to Mike Cullen and he has just gone from strength to strength. They absolutely tore it up at the weekend. And, you know, I, there's something about that kind of that level. Regain, I don't know, maybe it's regain a small bit of confidence kicking on from there. Like, there's, there's so many things that you've mentioned that I want to talk about. John McGrath. Sorry, like, go ahead. Uh, I don't know, <laughs> like on John McGrath, I wonder is this I don't know if the, 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 you're the same for this make I think because seeing like a, a ground strike like his first goal is mm. so it's like an added delight because you're so it's you know it's it's, it's insane like the skill itself is just aqua but you're so taken aback by it you know you just do not pull on that ball as the ball is squared across the square you he's going to pull it you just in your head and programs that the thing to do here is get the ball in and you know pick your yeah. place the ball put it away as opposed to just like let loose and rifle there was remember the was it Shane Cannon's goal against ah uh, was it against Wexford uh, just a ball rolled for four two years ago uh, full back two years ago and he just rifled it like pulled yeah. like yeah. pure with his wrist it's it's obviously it's the skill itself but it's also you just you don't anticipate seeing it at all and it, yeah it, it, it's literally like yeah, I saw you. And then you know you mentioned Jesus about this a lot. Like I'm working on a a theory that maybe I'll ha- I'll have to say for next year. But like, you know, Paddy Deegan played full forward for um, for his club a, a two ago and did you know unholy wreck. 
Um, actually, I, I think the tweaks in a row. And I'm coming around to this idea. I was speaking to um, uh, an Irish guy who's he's involved in an AFL club here, the head of uh, athletic performance uh, here in Melbourne, about this recently. And I was kind of complaining, as you know, I tend to, about some of the young Irish players who are playing in the AFL and they're bouncing around positions. You know, say for example, a guy gets picked as a key defender, as a fullback, but he's playing as a full forward. And I was like, questioning what is the value in doing that to give them a position, let them learn it, and instead of kind of bouncing them around. But he sometimes the best way to understand how to play in a position is if you play against it. So sometimes the best way to learn how to play as a fullback is if you play as a full forward and you know what what you know what annoys you as a full forward and what's the best ways to cancel you out of the game how, mm. how do you use space how to incorporate all that sort of stuff into your game and i started to look across the board and you look at we mentioned Ed Mahoney earlier actually who spent some time in full forward for Ratmore, uh, JJ Delaney, Paddy Deegan I wonder like is are we going Paddy to see an of that full backs will suddenly become great full forwards they understand like the, the, the counter side of the chin and how they incorporate that into their game do you, I don't know if this makes any sense now. But no, it does. It does. And it's a better theory than the one I was going to go with, right? Which is, here's one for you, right? So JJ Delaney is 39 now, right? Tommy Walsh, I'm not sure what age, but the same, right? Probably, like, you know, you're probably talking about the best two full forwards in the Kilkenny Intermediate Championship at the moment. And every guy that played centre-back for his club, uh, you know, as a as in his 20s or whatever, ends up at full forward. Uh, corner forward you know and it's just it's 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 a rite of passage especially in hurling i think it happens yeah. in football as well but it's more of a hurling thing you see it at every club in the country right is the guy who's probably too old doesn't have the legs yet but he'll still get you suddenly he's scoring 2-1 brian corcoran did it in on a national level and won all ireland for cork you know one of the best <laughs> defenders we've ever seen in the game and then he came back after five years off and went up was the best full forward in the country right here's my theory our backs just better hurlers than forwards so, because if they were that good as a full, if Brian Corkin was that good as a full forward when he was in his 30s and hadn't hurled in years, right? What damage would he have done in his early 20s if he was stuck in a full forward? He could have scored 2 5 a game, you know? So, and maybe it's because backs are more important than they're actually needed. But might, that might be in itself an outdated thing. And maybe all these guys who've been centre-back all their lives and the heart and soul of the team who wait until they're 37 until they go full forward should be up there the whole time. Like, it's a half-baked uh, idea, Morris. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> but, uh, so, you know, historically, you would rebuke against that because there would be less, um, uh, how do you put this kind of, there would be less uh, football or hurling in a back, as in you could probably yeah. get away with being dogged and determined without actually having to play. And then you take stock of the last, you know, like, are you telling me, like, Shot and Finn, for example, is probably the case of points where a defender can't hurl as well on the ball. Or, you know, like, yeah. we've spoken about Park Manuel for Galway and how good he is on the ball and suddenly and Galway actually a good example of this by you know they have incorporated cornerbacks and then moved them or forwards and moved them to cornerback and then vice versa Adrian Tohey for example is uh, has done that yeah. like most recently so maybe there is Limerick, something well, maybe, Barry Nash like, Barry Nash yeah, and Dan Marley both you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I think it's more just it's the um, oh well actually I don't even know if this instant reaction was to say this is just about the rising standards that we are developing more rounded players across the board and that yeah. they become you know the this is the template way we see forward but how does that explain 
players who are leaders and it seems to be only getting better or like they wouldn't have been at the program today they just caused this, damage and i think i think you're right actually i think it's know-how and i think i think it forward is a position a full forward in particular is a position where you can use that cuteness and know-how and experience and you don't maybe need the legs and especially at club level i don't think it's i don't think like you could say that you know you could bring back Although I did, I did the conversation with you. I was looking back at it when we uh, when Brendan Marr retired, and I was looking back at an old post that we did. We did a podcast where we talked about how good straight after the uh, twenty nineteen Ireland final, and we were talking about Brendan Marr's performance and how good he was, and then also talked about how he's a guy who could easily he didn't do it in the end, but could easily play into his mid thirties and end up being a full forward for Tipperary for two years. Now this was before he had we had the run with. Um, with Boris Lee as well. So it was just funny that I just happened to come across that. But, you know, I do see it as a possibility in county level even this day, but I don't think it's as clear cut as, you know you put JJ Delaney full forward as a 39-year-old and he's just going to cause hassle and he's going to cause a bit of damage. You know, like you just know it at club level, especially at intermediate club level. And I'm sure, like, there's probably, you know, the, the mental, whatever you want to call it, like not warfare, but aspect of all this as well whereas if a, a, a standard club and just anyone is inside you straight away you're overwhelmed absolutely inevitable we've all been there you it's know a like huge, with, a, huge a, 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 yeah. a, a guy comes in and it, no matter what happens you're straight away you're uh, on the back i remember playing a, a, a junior game a couple of years ago at back and finian hanley or god Gal- for back was there and straight yeah. away in my head i was thinking should i like should i swap out or like what like you know in, in my head i remember i was beaten before like i went and and eventually, I just kind of decided I'd run in and hope that I can outlast, like, I get out of full forward entirely and just hope that I can kind of contribute that way because I can't take them all in one, one in here. Like a very defeatist attitude, but it is definitely a factor that, you know, ahead you're thinking. Like, I'm sure if I was, the, you know, if JJ Lane is running towards me, look, the, who we're talking about, that's Cotterwee, Keeney, um, Brian Carroll are coming in towards me thinking, oh, geez, I'm in trouble here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Interesting that Finian Hanley didn't switch squares later in his career. Go stand in front of the other. Yeah, he could have yeah, yeah. easily gone. Yeah, one more player I want to mention because we're, we're, we're running out of time. I want to get to Carr, and there's loads of there's some other things I really want to talk about is Tony Kelly. Tony Kelly played, um, came on as a sub for Ballier in the Clare quarterfinals yesterday, and got a couple of points. I had heard two weeks ago that, that he was out for the rest of the year, that he'd done real damage to his ankle. And you know we wouldn't see him again this year. We might not even see him for the league. Now I was surprised when I saw uh, um, Claire social media accounts yesterday. Now, by the way, this the news here might have already been all out there. I just happened to not see it, so I was surprised to see Tony Kelly warming up to come on. I'm like, all right, okay. Ballier win the game. They're into the semi final. They're like, Jesus, like what happened to that Kelly injury? I can't believe he came on and scored a couple of points. Huge scores. He's having surgery this morning on his ankle and will be out for the rest of the year and likely most of the national league. And I just thought it was worth remarking. And I don't even necessarily have too much a comment on it on a guy who's obviously done such damage that we knew he needed surgery. You book the surgery, you wait for your date. And it wasn't until after this quarterfinal. And he still thought it was worth a team that's going to like, look, don't get me wrong. Ballier are a very good team. They're well-rounded. They have a good chance in the championship, but they have a lot less a chance without one of the best, four or five hurlers in the country for them uh, playing. And he knows he's not going to be there for the semi-final, but he'll still risk his ankle, the damage, whatever it might be that he could do by playing 10, 15 minutes on that ankle before he has surgery, because that's what you do for your club. And that's what you do because it's a county quarterfinal. And I think 
just because you're one of the top four or five players in the country or whether it's because all your life you played for the club. Kelly's never really, in some some ways to me, differentiated between those two things. But neither is almost any GEA player. And I just think that's worth noting. It's worth noting that he did that for his club. And it's not even that remarkable. That's what I'm saying. It's like, I feel like anyone who was able to do it would have done it. Yeah, and it is like I sometimes we kind of we are taken aback by the level of commitment that players will give to their club. But also, it's totally why you would be willing to uh, expose yourself to something like that when you consider the fact these are the guys that they grew up with. I'm always like, and maybe this is because I haven't actually experienced it, but I'm always like kind of balled over by people who say, I would much, I enjoyed the county final I won with my club way more than I won in All Ireland. You know, you hear that yeah. a lot by. Uh, interest and so I like I don't know about you Mick I find it kind of hard to wrap that I just kind of growing up the, the pinnacle would have always I would have always assumed the pinnacle is the county game and then you kind of realize when you delve into it you kind of realize actually it's a totally understandable reaction and it's also like, uh, like this is this is something it's it's a kind of a separate point but just on what you're saying I did an interview with uh, Darren McVitie, um for Balls uh, I did a, yeah, a piece of Darren yeah. McVitie a couple of months ago and uh, Darren made the point that he's obviously an Australia at the minute not involved having he was nominated for Austin 20 and walked away and he made the point while the split calendar is great and while at least you get it to your, to your club it is the the same problem which is that you go from playing your, with your county directly into playing with your still don't get a break at least they're clearly defined but you just so you have certainty in terms of what you're doing but you're like in terms of having a, a same break let's say you know we're talking now in October a lot of these players aren't going to get a break they're going back in with their counties in November December doesn't there's no yeah. let off it's still a year-round commitment so if you're someone like kelly and you're trying to weigh up when do i get this the surgery maybe in your head you say the best case scenario is the fact given the priority how much i prioritize my club and you know you're obviously not going to give up the your championship summer maybe the best thing to do is to do a time like this and you miss a league and maybe from a clear perspective you know i I know that it's a stickler for you but like there the idea that maybe all right we don't have the rights in him in the league you try and get players to step up yeah. and assume that mantle during the league and it's to their benefit so maybe this is the best window to do it because ultimately right like and this is just the reality as great as the split calendar is there is no other window like they don't get a break yeah. even if because the kit the county game is such a like the, you know I, I we don't have to drag up this all debate again but it is such a, a part of these players life but as soon as the club finish, rest assured, yeah. there are like there's no doubt intercounty teams are training as we speak. Like they are training now at this time of year. They are back yeah. involved now. So these players are going from what what they did somewhere into their clubs, training for a championship, playing in a championship, and going straight back into the county. There is no break. Mm. I wouldn't say having an ankle surgery is necessarily a break, but I know what you mean. But one thing I will <laughs> Sorry, say, yeah. no, no, but I didn't I, choose I actually, this break, actually, yeah. it, it reminded me of something and something about how warped you can be when you have your priorities completely arseways. And that is like, there's been times in the past where I'm like, Tony Kelly has been playing, you know, however many games a year between colleges and clubs and underage and everything like that. And Ballier gone far in the championship and Claire gone far in the championship early on in his career. And you're just thinking like, that guy could do this. But there was times when he's, you know, a couple of years ago where I'd be delighted if Ballier were knocked out in early in the Claire championship. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you're thinking this guy, and it's like, that's ridiculous. Like he's he's a he's a player I like and I support, and he's from a very small town club. You should be supporting him all the way through, and it shouldn't be this idea that what he does with Claire is the only thing that matters. You know, because what he's achieved with that club and how they're a national 
you know, they were in a Munster final, obviously, but people around the, the country know them now where they wouldn't have before. That's an incredible achievement in itself and shouldn't be forgotten about. And again, there's players up and down the country in football and hurling who have similar stories in that regard, you know. And I do I think I think sometimes we can be a little bit glib, or maybe we just like you're not thinking through what you're you know, you're thinking, Oh, just like I wanted the, I'd rather he played in the league and was ready to go and flying for the championship, but that's only one of the teams that he plays for. He plays for two teams. You know, he plays for his club and for his county. And one isn't more important than the other. It really shouldn't be anyway. And Mick, do you you think I'm over-egging how much benefit the promotion of the club game is now that maybe the fact that you can, you will have full exposure to the Ballyhay story. If that was happening in the modern, you would, not only would you know all the stories, you'd read about them in the Sunday paper, see all the games, you would see the clips. Do you think that would uh, change your perception like your pre-existing of it's ever happened now yeah i completely agree with you and like that that is true it would change my perception but what i suppose and and there's way more of it and we get to find out those stories and look i mean like not to toot our own horn but i will you will never hear me do that here but like we've got a, a a club section on the site that we've you know had for years now uh clubhouse with, with sports direct that we like we put a lot of time into it and, and we love it it's one of our favorite things that we do on balls you know and it's like it is great to tell those stories and we think that they are interesting on a national level yeah when yeah. they're the right stories you know and I, I completely agree with you i suppose my point though is that it's it's important for us to remember that you know no matter how ma- how good tony kelly is He'll never be somebody that, and again, I don't want to just use one person as an example. It's unfair to use an individual. But, you know, especially when you're from a small club, if they're contenders for the Clare Championship all the way through his career and they win a few and they maybe may win a Munster title and God, they might even win All-Ireland sometime, you know, that's an incredible thing every single year that happens, you know, as well as going out and trying to win All-Irelands with Clare and being the this guy who's going to be national. So even if we were paying no attention to it, even if there was no media coverage like you're saying morris to make us a little bit more on board we have to remember that in that locality and within that club and even and for the guy who's always played for them that's always going to be a big deal this you know yeah. i i i, I wonder sometimes yeah. if we're far enough, if we can be at times too far away from the ga and forget that like you know just because i don't care about your small club doesn't mean that you don't <laughs> you know yeah, um and that's kind this of just something I think circle, yeah. talk about enough. Yeah. And this, this it's, it's a blessing. It's the two sides of the same coin. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, you know. Like, I will, um, you know, I'm spent to the hilt, the legacy, uh, legacy. Well, you know, the, the record of Pat Fallon in my own club in Galway. But yes, what, what exactly. Also, it's kind of ironic, wouldn't be, you know, celebrated nationally. And I'm like, you know, it, it's the... It is the great thing about the J in terms of that, you know, they will be immensely valued internally and probably anonymous externally. But also, it, I, I come back to what I was saying earlier, it would be nice if you could appreciate that externally. But like maybe, I like probably agree with you, you know, like maybe you don't need that attention at all. Like maybe just given the, the itself, like maybe if you just recognize that. And probably the best people, suited people to recognize that are uh, locals, you know, I was going to say natives, but like people who are on the ground who can kind of appreciate what it actually means to, to you know the community yeah absolutely um we've got to go to car i think just before we do and we don't have time to get into it more and we can always come back to it if we need to two massive brawls kind of in in ga yeah. kind of grabbed the attention a little bit this week and 
sometimes I think there can be an overreaction to these things. And then other times I'm thinking, like, why are they so commonplace? Like, why are they like I used to go to games 30 years ago where these things would happen and you'd sort of laugh them off. And it's like it just feels old hat now, but it just these things get out of hand so quickly, they happen so often. We need to kind of come up with a different way of talking about them, not just try to tut tut and say it's a disgrace on a Monday morning, it's forgotten about so and so. And there's a few three lads suspended, you know, for the next round, and one of the other teams is out, it doesn't really matter to them. And we move on with our lives. Like, I like there's a lot of talk about whether the you know the guardies should be getting involved with these things. That a fight in a football pitch is no different from a fight on a street. There's talk about like throwing teams out of the championship if they can't control their their players and their fans and so on and so forth. I don't know what you think of it. Like, I'm not making I don't want to be too sensationalist either. These things happen and they happen, but when they're happening all the time and they're the headlines we're reading on a Monday morning after all the things we've talked about and we've we've skipped over when like this time of year is amazing when every county is still in action. We've skipped over about three quarters of the stories we could have talked about today. But these are the ones that are getting the headline. This is uh in Derry and in uh, the underage the Wicklow, game. The underage, yeah. So I think there's kind of like there's a clear like I I, I would agree with you. I think you know offline this stuff is kind of over a scrap on the field and it's not that big a deal. Like it's, it's just handbags a lot a lot of the time. You get it happens in you know it's, I don't think it's unique to GA. It happens across sports. Um, like you know I'm sure a lot of people have seen there was a big hubble at halftime in the London uh, county final yesterday, which like you know I think it was the first and the one incident which you know yeah. so like you know like I. Uh, I would find it hard to, you know, get too worked up about that stuff. But I do think, like, there is there is an issue with um, where it crosses the line for me is where spectators to kind of take the onus to get involved and just for some reason feel like they're part of the play and they have ice to hop a, you know, a, a ter- come down a terrace, hop a wall and run into the middle and, you know, start arguing or uh, pulling and dragging people. And it, like, how involved sidelines get in, I do think is a... Is it? I, I can't actually talk about statistics here uh, for obvious reasons in a second, but I, mm. I played an under 13 game. This is under 13 in a blitz in Westside in Galway. But like, so under 13, a blitz. This is before the fail, where, right? And where uh, was this? This Morris? is in, in Galway City. Yeah, and, just uh, in, in Westside. Just for people who have local knowledge, gonna, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, so we, we played. Um, uh, a blitz there, uh, game. and I remember I was playing. Uh, set, I, like I, this I've one most favorite memories of playing underage. Uh, I was playing centre for a guy who was well known in Galway was umpiring for the game as part, as part of our club and, and uh, kicked uh, a shot was blocked down went out for a fourth and there was an argument that uh, the umpire went over with under 13 this is Mick and went over and signalled for the 45 and a guy in the sideline took issue that this had been signalled for the 45 and forced him to confront him and we were going on and continuing to play and just before the player struck the 45 the 45 was given that the umpire awarded the guy who ran down to the umpire about this put him full on face and broke his and, and uh, damaged his during an under 13 game and I'll, I'll never forget just the absolutely like seeing somebody that worked up over a football game was surreal to me and it's kind of it's really influenced my perception of these sort of incidents like when you see like for, uh, the reason I brought that like, I got weird flashbacks watching that Wicker game and you know this is an under 15 game you've Adults, yeah. like the adults getting involved that are on the field. I do think that's where I would kind of, I would love to see, to be honest, the book thrown out that kind of stuff. Like, just get that yeah. out of the, the, I would love that to become like a, an intolerable behavior in the GA. That I, I don't have an issue with the pull and drag and scrap and whatever. Like, to me, it's, it's that's kind of, it's 
not that big an issue. But what I do, I do would love to line at people, people who have no right to be anywhere involved in the field and getting way too worked up over it, coming in and like you know people say, oh, what if it gets worse? I mean, I just told you it has gotten worse. Like there has been yeah. real life consequences. People have suffered like serious racial injuries. Uh, oh, we all know stories like that. Now, I get, again, when it's happening at underage level, I think it's a whole new low and you know just to yeah i think you're right i think that this idea sometimes that you know we can bring in all these rules but we won't change the culture i think that's wrong i think you do change the culture i think it happens over time and i think what i found anyway is that i think a lot of people close to ga clubs a lot of players are a lot more mature about these things and a lot more dismissive of them and what happens is you still have the sort of the, the fan who might be 20 years behind on these things but when it comes to underage things I, I think I do think it needs to be kind of like one of those things that like look what you've done to the club you've got yeah. us suspended you've got us this that or the other or whatever and it's like that's your fault it's not because the county board were hard on us and I do I think I think you t- I think intolerable is the is the right word these things become unacceptable and they just stop happening in in my opinion anyway and I think that that's what we need to do it needs to be a how the hell could you be doing this acting like that at underage games? I'll never know, but uh, we've seen it as often as with adult games over the years, you know. So, anyway, that's another thing that's hanging over things in the GEA at the moment. Another thing that's hanging over Morris is uh, restructuring the football championship. Uh, one of the first times we've ever talked about this subject. No, uh, there's a con- special congress coming up, supposedly. It might look doomed, but we wanted to talk about you're a supporter of it. Carol Kane is someone that we absolutely respect and he's against it, which is why we want to, to talk to him about it. Um, you were talking to Car earlier on. Yeah, you've hit, you've hit the nail on the head there. So uh, one thing I think we're both conscious of is that oftentimes these comments have become uh, an ember. That, you know, it's two of us kind of agreeing with the, the basic fundamental. I think this is happening across the board. And uh, the reason I wanted to get Car because he is, he is a really coherent, he's written for the Irish news, people will find it from last week, which is actually really coherent on that. So we kind of teased out the specifics he has with proposals to be and whether or not they could be overcome, whether that could be improvements after it was implemented. So uh, we can hear that now. Right, folks, I'm delighted now to be joined by Cahar O'Kane, UGA reporter. Cahar, how's the form? Not too bad, Mark, yourself? Good, thanks. Yeah, good. Come here, if you had a, a vote on Saturday, which way would you vote and why? I would, I would vote against it at this stage um, and I think it's not because of not wanting the thing to change I think the thing has to change um, but just the proposal that's on the table is not is not right for football and I'm just worried that, that it's something that you don't do every year or a couple of years or five years you know you don't change your championship structures and we're maybe we're maybe selling ourselves into something that's not right and we're being blinded by the desperation for any form of change because the system that's in place is so bad that everybody I think everybody agrees that it has to change, but it's what it changes to is is the issue and that that is where the downfall and it is for me. So I think we, we spoke a little bit about your column last week on the show earlier and I would strongly urge anybody whether or not you're pro or anti this proposal to go and read it because I, I described it as the most coherent argument against proposal B that I've heard so far and if we boil it down slightly right I think there's three aspects to your arguments is it fair to say so you've got the competitive equality or the lack of a competitive equality with the proposal B 
you've got long-term development for counties and what it means to have um, effectively, you know, a, a Division One teams, how how is it possible for teams to break into that gap? And then you've also got promotion, which is a separate thing, and we might deal with that afterwards. But just firstly, if we deal with the, the very first aspect of that, from a competitive equality perspective, you don't think it's a fair structure, am I right in saying? No, I don't think it's the right structure for, for what we're trying to build. Um, football is, is quite unequal as it is. Um, obviously, the, the top four or five teams are getting further and further and further away as the year passes. Um, and Division One, as good as it's been, as good as it is, and it's brilliant to watch, and everybody loves those games, loves watching those games, but it is creating, uh, you know, it's, it's a washing machine and it's the same team spinning on it and the die of, yeah. of all the tactical evolution of football is running through that same machine and they're, they're all against each other and, and they're playing each other repeatedly and nobody else is getting the exposure to those games. And you only have to look at some of the margins. And obviously, teams are so well prepared, so well coached now. The, you know, the last five or six years since Donegal came along in 2011 and, and then Dublin started to work it out. How to break it down and other teams worked it out from that so you know the attacking side of the game has become so prolific that teams can can rack up massive scores the football teams are now racking up hundred scores in, in championship games and the better teams are doing that repeatedly hitting 25 26 27 28 points and and it's making a, it's creating an enormous gap and and what you need because I think what's maybe been a wee bit overlooked is that, you know, within this structure, we're going to lose our league in the sense of, you know, that's where sort of teams have found their level, found their balance. Football's found its balance and you, you go up and down the divisions. The league has worked all right. Um, it's a brilliant competition to watch, but it's it's creating that imbalance as well at the top end where the, top, the, the, the Division 1 teams are playing off each other the whole time. So, it, you know, my, my argument, and it's not uh, it's not my idea as such, but it's something that, that others have, have said over the years, and, and in particular here in Shannon, who, who's been beating this drum for, for a number of years, that, you know, go back to the top 16 in a group, split them into two years, yeah. but have yeah. four of the top eight in one division, four of the top eight in, in the other division, and give the, the 16 teams exposure to those games as opposed to eight teams, because... It's so, so difficult, as we've seen, for anybody to break into Division 1 and stay there. Six teams in the last decade have lasted more than a season. Only two have lasted more than two seasons outside of the outside of those elites. So it's, you know, that, that is the evidence that it's so difficult to break into that group and it's only going to get harder. So I, I can't uh, credibly really put my hand on my heart and counter any of the arguments you've proposed in terms of these three aspects we're talking about here right like I, I don't think from a promotion perspective I definitely don't think we're going to see an improvement for Division 4 teams you look at uh, long term development I don't really see what the scope is for anybody to break into the top 6 with this existing structure and then finally just from a competitive you know equality perspective you touched on it there a 1A wouldn't be so much more preferable Versus what we're going to see, which is, you know, you finish six in Division One, you're out or top of Division Two. This has all been, this is ground we've gone over before. But I do think it's worth just dwelling for a second on how we actually got here to this point of the proposal, right? Because I think this, it's kind of the nub of the issue in a lot of ways. And you go back to 2017 and the Club Players Association was set up and they challenged Park Duffy about the super rates at the time. And they said that this doesn't go far enough for resolving the championship structures. Now, even though their brief was particularly about the calendar, it was something they brought up because they wanted to see championship reform within that. 
2018, we see the announcement of the fixture review committee. Um, so suddenly, we they're going to look into this. 2019, they canvassed the GA. They're looking for a widespread of opinions to come to some sort of solution for what we get. This is what we've got from that committee. We've we've got what we have now. Now, why? So why you've mentioned a couple of the flaws here, and why did those flaws come up? Like I don't I don't think people, there's been a, a suggestion maybe that the GA are sitting on their hands here, and you know the GA are not stupid. Like Tom Ryan is a financial controller. He knows precisely what's going on here. Fergal McGill is a structures man. This is his bread and butter. He understands this stuff. So they are not stupid and they know where, where this stuff comes from. You, the, so we'll tackle the provincial aspect of this first for a second. You know, you go back to 2017, uh, Waterford chairman stood up in special Congress and said, if the GA vote for the hurling round robin format, it'll be the worst decision made in the history of the GA. That's a direct quote. So they were always going to be massively reluctant to engage in this process anyway. And th that is a challenge that needs, that's an obstacle that needs to be overcome, right? Because whether you like it or not, the GA knows what to do with the provincial championships. They commissioned a report, the long-term review, the, when they, the 2034 long-term review, when they commissioned that report, they, the outcome of that was to say, look at provincial championships. There's no real integrity. There's no real need for provincial structures anymore. What we need to get to is maybe a regional committees set up on demographics. But to do that, that's in the theory of it. And that report was buried. And it's not like that report isn't appreciated by GEA. Larry McCarthy was the author of that report. So he knows precisely what he's dealing with when it comes to the provinces. Then you come to the players and over and over again, they ask the players, what do you want? And players say, we want... Um, for, for whatever reason, I think both of us would agree that a tier championship is probably the best format. So in this 1A, 1B, 2A, 2B, you're going to two different things. But players overwhelmingly and consistently are opposed to that. For whatever reason, we, we you know, they just for, uh, have this idea that they want to have something to aim for. They want to have uh, a top tier. They want to have a chance to compete for an Ireland every year. They lose interest. And regardless of whether or not we agree or not, it's an obstacle that has to be overcome. So you combine the, this player's reluctance and you combine the provincial, the way it is right now and the reality of the situation when it comes to the provinces and the historical conservatism within the administration, within the hierarchy of the GA. And I think this proposal, in, in the reality, it's not perfect. The doctor is not perfect. But to navigate those three crucial barriers, this is the best proposal we could have got. And maybe the flaws can be ironed out post-Saturday. But if it's knocked back, I would genuinely fear as when we will see such radical reform again. It's a very valid point in the terms of if it's knocked back on Saturday, um, when does it come back and in what shape does it come back? How does it come back? The momentum behind change is the strongest it's ever been. Um, yeah. the, the GPA have, have helped in that regard in the sense of, you know, really, for, for once I've been very critical of them in, in, well, in, in lots of ways over the last few years, but particularly in, in the sense of some of the big votes of Congress, they haven't represented the players particularly well. They haven't represented their views they have come out and made statements very late, very close to a vote where, where it's too late to impact the thing. And to be fair to them on this one, they've been out early. They've been, you know, banging the drum. They set up a press conference. They got voices out. They got the players' views heard, and and that has helped create a lot of the momentum behind change. And as I would would go back and say, like for me, totally, totally in favour of change, the, the championship has to change but it's what it's changing to you said about the GA not being stupid and absolutely um they also understand very very well how congress works um the fact yeah. that you know the, the fact that well, there's so many elements of how congress works obviously it's a very conservative it's a very conservative body it's you know it's largely old white men 
um, in the room a lot of the time, and you know, you have the overseas block, you know, there's so many others, the overseas blocks tend to vote along with Cook Park. The fact that this is a special congress rather than a full congress means the voting numbers are reduced, which makes it easier for Cook Park to get what they want out of it. Their silence on it up until the other day when they sort of rebuked some of the um, some of the financials that have been out there about the ten million one falling out and they came out and basically poo-pooed that um, idea and that was their first you know that was their first utterance on the on the matter and, and how long this debate has been going on. So you know it, it is very, very clear, abundantly clear that they don't want the change. They don't want the new structure brought on the, their silence, they they may say they're taking a neutral line or they're letting people decide what they want. But when the GA feel that there's a change there, they go hammer and tongs after. If they, they if they want something, they will they will put on the promotion and uh, and make sure that it happens pretty much. Um, and they haven't done that in this case. So, you know, Congress as a conservative body is very 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 hard. To convince to make a change because without the backing of the top table you know you look back over the last 10 12 15 years of of big decisions at uh at congresses by and large the big decisions have gone the way the crow park would have wanted them to go you know whether that's through their own silence and not backing something or their backing of it uh, and, and pushing of it and, and sort of you know steer the positive of it so uh, it's going to be, you know, it was going to be very difficult. Um, I sort of felt that up until the the the, the counter argument, you know, they put a counter argument against the financial side of it. I felt it had decent decent dish chance. It was going to be close, as it stands at the minute. I don't see that it's that close. Um, you know, certainly you're talking sixty percent. You know, anything under fifty is probably not that close. When you look at it, and I just feel that that's where they're at, and that's where it comes to me. You know, you're saying about why not, you know, why not put it up on Saturday, see does it get through, and then tweak it afterwards. I were two fears. One, one is that it's difficult to tweak in the aftermath because you'll have people who say, "No, look, this is what we voted for. We're going to give this five years. We're going to give this ten years. We have to see how this works out before we start changing it again." Yeah. So you're tied into that for for ten years. Um, and the other thing, um, I've forgotten <laughs> for, for a second. Well, can, I, can, can I counter that for a second? I, like, just for, for a very brief second. To, so, you've talked about the, the, the politics of Congress, and you know, if the GA were to endorse this, I'm talking about politically here, it would have a very good chance of succeeding, regardless. You know, you look, there's 183 delegates, Central Council accounts for 53 of them. If they were to tell Central Council to wait to vote, you would this, that could have a massive sway on whatever decision is made come Saturday. But just away from that for a second, the, the actual, the bread and butter of this proposal be, if the GEA were to endorse it, how far would that go to alleviating your concerns? Like, let's say, for example, if we had seen some sort of leadership on this. Now, we've seen, we've they've made absolutely no inclination, like maybe their silence speaks louder than words ever could, but they've given no inclination on what way they support it. But let's say if the GEA came out and they had clarified just two of the aspects that you have flagged. One is promotion, and they said, we will renegotiate TV deals if this is uh, passed. We will renegotiate TV deals so that there is a mandate that if you want to show a certain amount of uh, Division One games, you have to show a certain amount of Division Four games, or we will introduce an online streaming aspect or a mid another midweek side show to alleviate for the justifiable concerns that they will not get the promotion that we would all like to see them get. And secondly, that they would say the long-term development aspect, to your second point, 
if they were to come out and say, you know, this is this is not the the end does not justify the means here. So this is just all this is step one. And secondly, we're going to go and we're going to take Limerick, for example, who don't have a games development officer, and they've been crying out for one. They went canvassing for one in 2019, and it still hasn't been appointed. And they said we're going to guide Limerick to alleviate those concerns. So if you saw that the GA was committed to this proposal be to make it the best possible format that we had, even though, despite the flaws in terms of there is the competitive equality flaws that are very justifiable in terms of what it's doing, which teams are progressing to a quarterfinal. But if you just park those for a second and the GA were to give some sort of leadership on the other two, how far would that go to winning your support for uh, proposal B? Uh, probably not very far, to be honest, because it's it's not it's not who or, or who backing it or, or any of that. It's, it's when you yeah. look at the structure, it's, it's, it's just the flaws in the structure that are the problem, not, not the fact that it's coming from the GA. You know what? The fixtures task review force was was probably reluctantly enough set up, um, and then you had obviously the the club players association leaving it on the on the eve of the report being released um, because they felt that you know basically it was a bit of a whitewash. Um, the fact that there were five basically five proposals, sort of two two versions of each, put up at that time, and then the status quo, and then it's now down to three. Proposals for me, you know, having so many ideas in the pot was one way of ensuring that none of them happened. If you know what I mean, because say you got ten percent or fifteen percent of the people that like proposal A, and you get another twenty percent that like proposal C, then you know the chances of getting proposal B passed were were very very slim. Because even though yeah. you know what I mean, so if you had just put the you know. Proposedly, even though it's it's got no momentum, you can be guaranteed that there'll be people in the hall in Congress that like won't be beaten a hundred percent to zero. You know there will be votes in favour of it. We just don't know at this stage who voted for it. We won't know at any stage who voted for it because of the lack of transparency of Congress and and the fact that they voted to retain that lack of transparency, which is a big part of my problem with the body. But um, no, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be a thing. It wouldn't be a it wouldn't make a difference because also you know you have to understand as well for, for people that you know the GA's track record in terms of you know saying oh we'll promote this we'll do this you know they're very damaged in that in terms of what <laughs> happened to Lord here hurling you know uh, you know they came out with this big you know we'll do this with promotable play the Christy Ring final on all Ireland weekend or whatever it was and you know, we'll play them before big games, and all of a sudden, you know, you have the, the lower tier competition dumped off on the weekend, the co park on their own, um, in front of five or six thousand people, and um, you know, no TV coverage. You know, that that has seriously damaged, you know, people's willingness to believe that, you know, right. And, and I think it goes back to what you were saying about a tiered structure for football. I think all things being equal, probably is the way to go, but but I can. 100% understand people's reluctance, sorry, reluctance and, and fear of going down that road because what happens to the intermediate and the junior grades as it would be uh, in terms of promotion, in terms of when they're played, in you know, you know, you look at the Division 4 and Division 3 league finals even, which I've played often as a doubleheader most years in Co Park and, you know, there's years they attract three and 4,000 people even. And so, and that's partly a lack of promotion. It's a lack of you know razzmatazz around the game, the lack of sense of occasion around those divisional league finals. 
at that lower end and when people look at all that and they weigh it up and they think well you know what's going to change if we vote for a tiered championship structure like is the is the junior final going to end up on pg Kehar on a friday evening a month before the all-ireland final you know that's the fear and totally understandable fear given the given the track record so no the gpas or sorry the gaa's backing of of the motion wouldn't wouldn't uh sway my thinking on it and i guess you know like some people would say to counter your point that you know well is the promotion they get now any better than what they would get in this circumstance which i like is a a view i'd really uh, rebuke against purely because i don't think it's fair to say that you know or just because it's as bad as it is doesn't mean it can't get any worse like that if that's your your solution it's a pretty weak solution in in reality but just i do think you know in a similar vein right that this championship in in reality is as close as we're going to get to none of these the stakeholders as we've talked about here in terms of players provincial councils and uh, the hierarchy and i suppose uh, media as well come into that too none of them are all are going to be happy like none of them are going to be happy but the, what you're trying to do if we talk about the politics of all this is trying to make them all as as you know just over not quite satisfied but pretty close so that you're giving them all something and i think th- this is what this is the, the whole reason that this format is imposed the way it is is to give them all something so that you can still say to counter the a player who says, you know, I don't want to be cordoned off in a lower tier championship and not have the possibility of winning something, even if it's totally remote, you give him something and you appease him. You appease the provincial councils by giving them a round robin and, you know, now the finances around that can be debated uh, to end the night, but that, that's kind of semantics. But all you're trying to do is appease the different bodies. Like, it's definitely, it's not perfect. It definitely isn't perfect. But I just wonder, uh, you know, we have to be kind of, uh, not pessimistic about this, but kind of realistic about the, what is possible within the hundred from judging from the 130 years of history what is possible and how much change can we you know relatively expect and if this change doesn't happen i would fear we're looking at another 10 to 15 year wait before we see something anyway close to as as radical i suppose as what we're going to get on saturday it's like it's a very fair point um and i would agree and that was that that's why what i would do at this stage because i think looking at it the gpa have started to you know, I think in some of their statements since the GA came out with the, the financial story, um, the GPA, you know, the, the wording and the language has become a wee bit more desperate, maybe not the word, but, you know, it looks like they're fighting against the tide now. And you can Definitely. tell that the tide has turned against the momentum that was behind it. And my fear would be that you're, you're absolutely right. If this thing goes in front of Congress on Saturday and it gets voted down, gets beaten on the floor, and it gets you know, there's also the margin of defeat to take into account as well. You know, does it only gain 40%? In that case, you know, I, I think it goes away, as you say, for a long time, and it doesn't come back. If it gets 55, 56, 57%, maybe you look at it again in a couple of years' time, but we're stuck for another couple of years. My feeling on it will be that you take it off. Now, it's coming from the GA's own fixture task force, so... You know the GPA don't have the right to remove it. Um, counties don't have the right to remove it from the from the floor, um, and and that's part of the issue as well. The GA won't want to remove it because they'll want to see how the vote goes. Um, I think they're they're probably feeling we've got confident that the vote will go against it at this stage. And if it gets voted down, it's much harder to bring it back. Whereas if you take it away, as has been done with proposals over the last few years, if you take it off the clar. And you say, look, we're going to go away and fix this, turn it back next year, tie it up, 
then it hasn't had the stigma of being beaten. It hasn't had the thing of, well, not look, we had talked about all this last year and it, and it only got 40%. Um, that's a real that's a real hard stigma to break on, on something as big as this. So like, it's not a possibility. They can't really remove it um, because it's not up to them. But if they would, you know, if that was if that was an option, they would that would be the ideal option to take it away, yeah. take it off, take it off the card. Don't vote on it, and say, look, the tweaks that need made, the tweaks that everybody's looking at now, and saying, well, should we make them in a couple of years' time? You need to make them now because it goes back to the fact that, you know, for it all, I just can't support and say that it's a great structure that rewards the team that wins Division Four above the team that finishes sixth in Division One. You're all there in quarterfinals, which had gone very one-sided before the Super 8s came in, had gone, you know, 2017, 22 points um, between Mayo and Roscommon in the replay, 18 points between Tyrone and Armagh, 10 points between um, Dublin Monaghan, 8 points between Kerry and Galway in, in 2017. So, and, and I think you're all there in quarterfinals under this proposal are going to be, could be a disaster. Um, you know, could be very, very lopsided games because I would imagine, even though it's not written into stone, um, I'd imagine we'll be seated. Top four in Division One will play the other four. Uh, and so you'll end up with a very imbalanced quarterfinal. you end up with strong semi-finals and strong all-around final. Um, and look, maybe that's, maybe that's acceptable. Maybe that's, and maybe you're right, you know, the fact that there's such momentum behind change, the players want to change. I just, I think they're potentially voting for something that they haven't studied the long-term ramifications of, and uh, and for me, the the you know it's like anything we do in the GA, you know we we, we say that something's right, this is crap, we need to change this, and then we change it to something else, and we decide that what we change it to just this is not good either. You know, <laughs> we have no kicking, right? How do we introduce more kicking into the game? Ah, let's have an attack of mark. Six months later, <laughs> the attack and mark, shit, boys. Let's get rid of the attack and mark. You know, and, and that's what we do. And that's my, that's my fear for this, that in, that in a year's time, we're going to be looking after the Iron Quarter Finals and going, well, this didn't work very well. <laughs> and, and what do we do? <laughs> and, that, and I say, I think it's fixable. I think the tweaks that have to be made aren't all that huge. There's ways of doing it. And, uh, and it's not very far away. The idea taking the provincials away, putting them earlier in the year, delinking them from the All Ireland, having more games over a shorter time frame, having having some format of a league element to the championship, all that's very good. You know, all that's that's what we want, roughly. But but just the flaws in it, I think you need to fix it before you vote it in and then you realise you don't like it. And then it's hard to get it changed again. And then where do we go? So, come here, you, before we let you go, you've made it very clear what you would like to see happen. I'm going to ask you to predict. What do you think will happen? I think, as it stands at the minute, the, the mood has changed over the last three or four days. Um, you know, the the county boards, the provincial councils, the Crow Park itself, the overseas units all hold a fair amount of sway um, when it comes to Congress. Um, and whether we can get enough of the conservative people in the room to say, look, I'm going to stand up and vote um, for this. I think I think it's an outside bet, definitely at the minute. 
that supposedly will be through. Um, I hope, I do really hope that if it gets beaten, it doesn't get beaten by much, so that there is an argument that we can bring it back in a year or two and tidy it up and bring it back. Because if it gets badly beaten, it, it's going to be hard, and hard to argue it back onto the floor again when the GA will resist it and say, look, no, we've, we've had this, it's over. Uh, people didn't want change. And, and it goes back to Congress, you know, they can say people didn't want change and the democratic process didn't want change. But, you know, I've been my head off the wall of the Congress for, for years. And whether as a democratic body, it actually represents the views of the people that they're voting for. And, you I mean, you can see very clearly from the fact that the GPA is, you know, said the 80% of players want this. Um, you know, does anybody in the floor of Congress other than the GPA who get a vote? Does anybody in the floor of Congress actually pay much heed to that, or do they, you know, do they vote for the financial element? Do they vote for, you know, staying on side? Do they vote for all the different reasons that you can vote against it? So, you know, I have a real, I have a real problem with Congress in, in general. So, uh, I don't see it getting through. I don't see it getting through at this stage. Um, but I hope, that, I hope that if it doesn't get through, that it's a narrow defeat. Carol, thanks for talking to us today. No bother. Thank you, Morris. That was Carol Kane uh, speaking to you, Morris, uh, from the uh, Irish News. Like, it's weird. It's Sometimes you kind of hear from people, you, you have an opinion on something, and then people are against it, and it just entrenches you even more a lot of the time, and that's social media for you in a way. But sometimes you hear from someone that you respect, someone who's thoughtful about the situation and explains it well, and you do kind of consider, hmm, hold on, there's a completely other perspective to this. I'm not sure I fully changed my mind. I still think that this would be a step worth taking. And like, I would rather we were in a position where we were in the wrong system having tried something rather than the wrong system having tried nothing at all. But you can't really argue with some of Carter's points there. You know what I mean? I, we have and we will again, but he explained, he explained the counterpoint in a way that I don't think we had done so far. Yeah, and can I just like... I, I do agree with you, and I think, as I said, like, there, you know, there really are logical issues to take with the, this proposal, as I said before. But can I just re-stress what I was... I don't know if I articulated it as well as I wanted to in the interview with there. The, the point I was trying to make about if the GA had come out and supported this isn't would convince everybody from a... I'm not talking about from a democracy politics perspective. I'm talking about from a logistics perspective. If the GA had... If we this we get proposed to be here is our plan. You know we've stressed over and over again the three issues that come up with this. So like you know we keep talking about long term development. So if the GA had come out and stressed this is just our, our first of developing the the so so this is this is ground zero and this is our, our first step. But within this we're going to look at just counties. You know I, I meant. An example of Limerick, there's other counties who have tried to get the infrastructure up in place to get development officers. They don't have development officers currently. And so you're like, we're going to actually step in now and assist them in doing that. If at the same time, you know, a lot of people have a promotion, if they were just to give us some sort of clarity, like what does proposal B mean for the TV rights? I'm not, you know, just give us like something. What does it mean? What is there a scope for us to invest in, in um, streaming? this kind of thing down the line just you know give us some sort of sense of clarity mm -hmm. i'm not i'm not saying you know not, not even necessarily endorse it but saying if this is the route we go the repetitions that people are bringing up with this they could be alleviated before we even go to vote and the fact that they haven't been i think is is very yeah 
Yeah, I suppose my, my point to you earlier was like that the there's a there's an element here that's like this might not be the right thing to do for all the reasons that Carter's pointed out and things like that. But the reason it's gonna get voted down isn't for those reasons. Exactly. Yeah, that's and that that exactly. is one of the more yeah. frustrating things to me. And it goes to what you're saying there, and it goes to what you were saying earlier about almost telling the players that they have this say, giving them this platform to express what they want and then kind of saying but that's not what we want so sorry that you're not on our side here we'd love if this was able to be something the thing but ultimately you know we're going to be the ones who choose here and this isn't what we want so go away players uh, uh, do you know what actually i will give a slight counterpoint to that i saw a few people saying i saw something on, on, on twitter the other day saying like you know it's like if the players and managements want this this should be the only thing that matters nothing else you know should count almost everything else you you should be there as a as a representative of them and that's all i'm not sure that that's the right way to be either i do think that they like i think there's more perspectives that are valid and that are important than just the current players of the game you know like oh, i mean I people do have to be custodians for the sport as well and you know like players are only there for however long they're there for and will do in some ways what suits them i don't think believe that there's any uh i don't believe that there's any conscious thought of self-interest here or anything like that i think they're doing what they think is right but you know i do think there needs to be more than just players want it therefore it's right you know but at the same time don't lead them down a garden path either yeah you've hit the nail and this is a this is a wider issue but like the, the you know this year is so sensitive like it's 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 a very wide umbrella. It can't just be you can't dictate the players. Like I don't think they should have the entire say. I just could have a say. You know, yes. In this in this specific context, and like I one hundred percent agree with you. You know, like this comes up. Like I I'm baffled by how it comes up where we propose a rule change of football just come out against it and so we all say oh you know the coaches against it, therefore we shouldn't pass this like what what else do you expect like coaches they're they have their own interests too they don't want to have to deal with a new set of rules and try and adapt and overcome that but that doesn't mean like they, yeah. they have their own interests and it doesn't mean their interests are a benefit of the game so i think you know they're valued to have their say i just i do think though that make if if we as if this let's you know let's speculate here and let's say this is fairly comprehensively defeated it is just such a it would be such a glaring contrast that players are so overwhelmingly in favor that uh, support doesn't transfer to anything in this supposedly ultimately democratic association doesn't transfer to anything when it comes down to you know we're looking at a situation where delegates you've got 53 from the central council um you've got the counter on about 30 odd from overseas boards and past GA presence a handful as well so you know, should the players' interests be represented? Like I the, guess the players' interests should be yeah. represented by the county boards, right? Yeah, you know that's what you expect yeah. the bulk of the support to come from. But if we knew how they voted, I just I, it would be very interesting to see who who is actually in favour of this. Or, or you know, with the makeup of votes, we're not going to get them because we don't have a transparency. We don't know who who votes in what way. But if we did get them, it would be very interesting to see if the county boards are there. You know, at the, these are mandated by their clubs. This is the way it's to work. Players' clubs. It'll be interesting to see who actually is voting on behalf of the players, but we we know that. So, I'm sure there's more who are out publicly. I know Offaly and I think Westmead have both said that on the request of the players, they will be voting for it. But there's other counties that we know of who, you know, the players have thought they had that say. The county board revoked it 
and you know that's that's pretty obvious as to how they're going yeah, about so then the you know, of, also yeah. the, the secrecy is an issue for sure you're right yeah yeah so in, in the cases where counties have come out and said we will vote as mandated by the clubs even though they've been canvassed by players straight away that's uh to me that's yeah, cause right. for concern I, yeah. yeah i mean in terms of you know uh that straight away is uh i i i would question it. i i think i would love i really would love for before this happens just for if if you believe so adamantly in pro or just come out and make your intentions clear i I think it would really help us understand the how this process works and where the screams is like but look that's it's not going to happen yeah and look you've talked now for three weeks i think about what you why you think proposing is <laughs> to go no i wasn't I, I mean that in a good way um you know and i think you've been very articulate on it and, and, and have definitely convinced me i think it's good that we got the counterpoint from Carter today in a real way in like the smart way as to why it might not be the the the, the, the good way to go and we've talked about why the processes aren't great bearing in mind it looks like at this stage that it is dead in the water or close to it anyway we'll obviously see what happens you'll have an update on it next week i'm sure but What's the alternative? What's going to happen here? The, propo- propo- the proposal A is a nonsense. That's not going to happen. It's a redistricting of the groups, almost of the provincial championships, um, so that they're all eight counties or whatever. That's not going to pass or anywhere close to it. It has no support whatsoever. Um, and then if both of those are rejected, we go to another emergency vote to kind of ratify the status quo, I think, and that's probably going to pass. What's the status quo then? Does that include super eights? Does it include no, it old qualifiers? It goes back to the 2017 system, the the old qualifier system, the finals. Okay. Like, and I mean, which is better yeah, than the super eights, in fairness, but it is better than super eights. But it, 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 like, I can't mention in that interview the disparity between the score lines in the 2017 quarterfinals. I know it's a small sample size, but I just, I, I like the situation is not as it is. I think one championship would give us a lot of competitive games. I think another championship, so many one-sided games, and it, it's it's yeah. just it's frustrating that that's. Maybe you know, maybe I it shouldn't be so shame, but it's just very uninspiring. The, the we're going when you looked at what the alternative was, and as to, as for just to build on your point there, as for what it means for reform, when you look at what it took to get to this stage, it's been it's like people keep stressing over and over again. Oh, like the scope for this to be improved in uh, February. I did a piece with uh, Carl Walsh, uh, Mister Clare Football's uh, Noel son. He's a delegate for Australasia at a Congress this weekend, and. He, he mentioned speaking to you know one of the most in Crow Park, and they said that they don't think it's going to get up past, but they think there's a better proposal out there. Like, why don't you tell us that? Like, why? Yeah, you know, I mean, I know. not but no, no. By the way, you know, but I'm speaking generally here. Yeah. Like, if that is if that impression has been put out there that there's a better proposal, why can't we get some yeah. clarity about that? Like, why is that being this this secret and in the shadows thing about this potential for it to be something else? It's just it's very frustrating. Just to clarify again as well, then the reason Carter is saying if this isn't like is to pull it and don't have the vote on it, yeah, the vote would mean that it's there's a five year moratorium it, on well, championship structure votes. You, you, we could get it because it's a special congress. We could, you know, we could for maybe at okay. a normal congress, we could see something. But I think his wider point there is he has something in the wider point that by if this was comprehensively defeated or even you know, uh, remarried. It endorses uh, an anti-reform view that would lead. I th- I, th- I think the, the natural reaction to a situation like the back to the drawing board, okay. like do we do we reconvene the review committee and go through this four-year cycle all over again? 
Like, yeah. uh, so I, I think you're yeah, right, but it doesn't come under the five-year rule or three-year no. rule or whatever it is of not being able to do, not being able to touch the championship in Congress. That it doesn't come under that. No, it doesn't. No, okay. and, and just finally on this, make like, wouldn't it be great if, it, regardless of whatever outcome we get, wouldn't it be great if we knew one that what the GA's plan was? You know, wouldn't it be great if we got some inclination as to how they would foresee if they be defeated? We Clearly, we seem to all be in agreement that's there. So, if this isn't the solution, yeah. what is and what's the plan? But we have had, who knows? Like, you know, it, it, it is, as I said, it's, it's just, I'm, I'm pessimistic about it now. I have to be honest. Like, <laughs> and it, and it, and it is. <laughs> this is like, I, I, I'm trying to think, uh, we got such a rousing speech last week, but that this is a defeated <laughs> man coming out this week. And it's just like, you know, he, he's, he's sticking by what he believes in, but. He doesn't see a way forward. I don't know. He's going to have to go and regroup. I think what you need is probably a new cause, Morris. I think I think by next week's show, I think we need to, we need to forget about Proposal B. It's done, right? The GEA aren't going to listen to you. You need to start smaller. And I want a grassroots campaign that starts right here every Monday on GEA Embedded. And by next summer, we've got some sort of uh, like malleable change in the GEA because of your, uh, your passion and your speech-making ability. My campaigning, yeah. Yeah, but like, look, you gotta, you gotta get back over here to Ireland. By the way, we're gonna we're gonna have to get on the back of trucks here and go to go to local, yeah, yeah, local yeah. towns, go outside uh, yeah. GA club grounds. Maybe, yeah, maybe that's the answer because obviously going through players isn't the answer. Look, I, look, <laughs> I, I, I'll hope. I, I, you know, what's that the old saying? Like, uh, you know, hope for the best, plan for the worst. So I hope that this uh, proposal will go line be. Uh, a vast improvement on what we have, despite the obvious misgivings with it. But uh, I am also, uh, you know, I'm realistic about this as well, and I appreciate yeah. that we might be looking at it to the 2017 system. Yeah, look, you're a politician, and I mean, you're still <laughs> there canvassing to the last minute. But ultimately, the opinion polls show you 15 points down here, going into the last week of campaigning. So there's a lot of work to do. We need a miracle. We need some sort of uh, otherworldly events to kind of kick this into gear. But uh, Look, that's where we are. <laughs> we'll be back to next week. Stay tuned to Ball Study. As I mentioned, Clubhouse is in full effect. We've got lots of club stuff. Morris will have some, uh, some a final a final call for Proposal V up <laughs> on site as well during the week that you could read. And lots more as well. Lots more GA, lots more everything. So stay tuned to Ball Study. Morris, thanks a million. We'll chat to you. Uh, you're going to take the reins for us next week. Cheers, Mick. Thanks a million. Talk to you soon.